All right, guys, got a kind of a different video here for you on this Tuesday. I'm going to be covering a bunch of different kind of unique stuff that I think people will appreciate. So the first thing I'm going to do is give you guys my one and done pick for the week. And actually, I'm going to have you guys decide that in this video in the comment section below. It'll be a fun thing, I think. Fun thing to do this season. The next, I'm going to be touching on some prize picks bets that I like. Okay, that'll be quick, easy coverage. It's a way, for another avenue for us to potentially win some money this season. Going to touch on the top values this week and really what my focus is on both golfers that can make the cut and golfers that are terrible plays for the most part, but potentially could do what Luke List did could be that bad play on paper that actually wins you a GPP because that's that's what you need to do. You need to roster some sort of bad play to have a, a winning lineup, which is strange, but it's just the way it goes down. And then talking about the outright bets for the Sony Open. So excited for the coverage. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. So trying to get into the one and done content here for you guys to kind of just give you my thought process for this. So what I'm going to do is I have two that I think are going to be very solid one and done picks. And I'm going to let you guys decide in the comment section. Okay, just let me know which one you think. I'm going to put a comment in there. One for player one and one for player two. You let me know in the comment section below which one you think. And I'll give you guys both the logic and reason behind them. So the first one is going to be Tom Kim. And for me, it's just going to be hard to imagine Tom Kim really just keeping up this kind of legendary form that he has got going. I mean, he has literally just been dominating pretty much every single PGA Tour event that he's been in except for one. Okay. He is the top salary player this week in DFS. Okay. Has the best recent form and is the best staff fit. If it weren't for a small sample size, that's kind of going into the nine to five model here. Tom Kim would be the top player in the nine to five model as well. And I just, I don't see another opportunity this season in which he kind of comes in as this strong of a play. Now it could happen. It easily could happen. He continued to play this well, but to me, I kind of just see him like naturally stepping back. Can he still be an elite, really good golfer, good play each and every week? Yes. But at the same time, is he ever going to be this elite of a play, especially in a tournament in which we do see it be higher variance with, you know, the time off for a lot of players coming in and the fact that he did have a start at the Century Tournament Champions, which typically builds an edge. And so I am leaning more towards Tom Kim just in that sense. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully he pays off at the same time, doesn't have any course history here. So I guess that'd be somewhat of a worry, but at the same time, hasn't had course history anywhere else. Hasn't been a big issue, you know? And then the other one for me is going to be Corey Connors, just mostly due to the fact that I don't think we're going to get another chance in which Corey Connors is this elite of a play especially given the fact that he did play last week at the Century Tournament Champions, which we have seen be a big edge. Okay, I don't see another week in which Corey Connors is a better play than he is this week, basically, compared to the field. We can see elite course history, 11th, 12th, and 3rd. That's all good stuff. Key stat-wise, top 10 or better in all, or top 10 or better in three out of the four key stats. So that's great. The recent form has been solid as well. Like, given the recent form, we should be locking in like a top 25 finish, but given the course history, you would think be much closer to a top 10 finish, and obviously given the way he ranks out. So that is who I'm deciding in between. It's going to be Corey Connors or Tom Kim. You guys let me know in the comment section below. So one thing I did this offseason was kind of a basically research project on what goes into a winning GPP lineup and cash lineup for that matter as well. A winning GPP lineup, you are going to need some sort of bad player that randomly goes off. You know, for example, last week that was Luke List. Like no one would have logically played Luke List. Like he was just a bad play. Okay, that's what's different about like uh, PGA DFS compared to like NBA or NFL. Typically, there's just like a logical kind of value that could carry someone. What we learned 
is that it's typically a player that naturally you would basically never end up on is like the last player in it. And it typically is a value play that's right around uh, 6.8 K or so. Okay. So that's kind of the purpose of this video right here is to try to establish which player that could potentially be that maybe helps someone win a GPP. And obviously they're not going to be an elite play. And so instantly the first player that I think of when I'm talking about that would be someone like Stuart Sink. Now, Stuart Sink, he is someone that can score, okay? He has made a bunch of birdies on this tournament or in this tournament in the past. He's actually made three straight cuts here in a row, and he does rank out like 66 in the nine to five miles. So not an elite play, but he's also someone that it wouldn't be shocking to see him have a good week, especially given his you know relatively good course history, especially considering the price tag. You know, from there, someone that's very much a hit or miss play would be David Lingmurth. Okay, I don't love him, but at the same time, you don't need to love him to you know to really put him in five percent of your bills to have someone like go off. And we can see three out of his last four starts have been top twelve finishes. I just worry that the time off is going to hurt him. Okay, and he did have that random victory in there and it was pretty random okay uh and and maybe that's part of it okay had one on the corn ferry tour kind of felt secure i think he i forget what happened here he had a withdrawal so maybe it's just a little bit banged up but could be a player that i guess shocks some people not someone we're going out of our way to play because on paper not a great play like we can see just not all that great 74th like we're, we're chasing upside with him as a play but he is kind of the the typical bad play that could benefit you. From there, someone like Eric Barnes does somewhat intrigue me as well. The thing about him is we can see, based off of his miscuts, they weren't really bad miscuts. They were still under par, okay? Now, those events were kind of easier scoring events, but he has been under par in, let's count it, one, two, three, four, not that one, the Houston Open, but over par, made the cut, and five. Five out of his last six tournaments, he's been under par, which to me is encouraging. Did have a top 10 finish, like not someone you'd ever be going out of your way to play, but he is a low value play that could get there for you. And then just two players that I think are good price point plays. More like, honestly, you could consider them as cash plays. Like Ryan Armour, uh, three straight make cuts now. Uh, we can see at the Bermuda Championship was under par there as well. He is someone as well that really ranks out well in the nine to five mile. That's due to really good course history and three straight make cuts. You know, relatively decent staff fit as well. Top 30 there. Uh, so across the board, a pretty good value price point play. Like I, I think that's more of what we're getting though. Can he get like a top 15 finish and help you? Maybe that that could certainly happen. I think if you're playing him, you're really just hoping for a made cut. And that's why I think he's more or less like a better like studs and duds type cash play if you choose to go that route rather than a really solid GPP play. But at the same time, he is a top end sub 7K value play in the sense that really has a decent chance to make the cut. And then Aaron Baddeley. So kind of given his price tag, we can see a, a much better play because he is basically priced as someone that shouldn't have a chance to make the cut. Given the fact that it ranks out 61st in the 9 to 5 mile, that tells us that it has a pretty good chance to make the cut, relatively speaking, considering the price tag. Considering the price tag, we can see recent form wise has basically been there, you know, pretty good starts as a whole. Okay. Stat fit wise, top 30 in the field, which is good. Course history wise, made the cut here two years ago. So that benefits him as well. He is someone that we can just tell on paper is a little bit too cheap. You know, probably should be closer priced to something like Ryan Armour. And then at that point, obviously becomes a much more risky play because then maybe you can't fit two studs into your build. Okay, now getting to the prize pick side of things, and I'm just going to be looking at birdie or better percentage because that's the only research I've done on it thus far. Uh, hopefully tonight and tomorrow I can get some research on strokes, birdie or better, uh, greens and regulations, fairways hit. I just want to look at birdie or better percentage because I did notice that there is the potential for there to be a nice little edge here this week. All right, so I did post out this Twitter thread out there as well. So if 
you guys aren't following me on Twitter, make sure to go ahead and do that as well. But um, just looking at last year's round one weather, which obviously we're trying to prep for round one with this, that weather was actually worse than the projected weather that we get for round one this year. Okay. And last year, the Sony Open played pretty easy as a whole. Okay. Easier than expected. So if we just look at the average birdie or better scored per round last year, and this is of golfers that made the cut. And part of that is the players that are listed there are players that we expect to be good plays. Okay. So that's why I didn't really care about the other players, but it's looking at 4.72. Okay. Not bad. But if we look at the birdie or better options on prize pick this week, 81% of them have their birdie or better percentage set at four and a half. Okay. So right there, we can see there's already a slight edge there given the data. So if we just were to look at the golfers, then 42% of those golfers, and this is not including Billy Horschel because he's not expected to play. If he does play, that changes things. Um, they have averaged a birdie or better percentage of over that. And that's not even with including like easy scoring courses and whatnot, or, you know, any of that stuff, this is just looking at the raw number. So that to me is already telling us that we we could get a slight edge with some players. So the players that we did get an edge on were Brian Harmon was number one, okay, and Tom Hoagie. Those two are like kind of a separating point. And I don't know about you guys. It's weird, okay? We got Georgia versus TCU right there again, okay, between Brian Harmon and, and Tom Hoagie. So interesting there just in general. K.H. Lee, and I'm going to go ahead and show you guys the data from last year as well on prize picks. Um, he is the only one of this group, and maybe Sanjay as well, um, but I know Brian Harmon, Hoagie, and Connors, they all would have hit the over last year in round one. But K.H. Lee had four, and then he I think he hit it every other round. Yeah, so right there, okay? And then Stuart Sink is actually someone that does rank out well, birdie or better percentage-wise as well, so something to look at. I did want to point out that let's just say if these don't hit for some reason, that would mean that the Sony Open, who's ever in charge of it um, for the course, would have decided to make it play harder in round one, which then in round two, because the weather is looking pretty ideal, we would assume that the scoring would be much easier in round two. But most likely than not, or more likely than not, prize picks wouldn't adjust for that. So then there could be a big edge there, a bigger edge there. So just something to pay attention to. So looking at it right now, Sanjay M, you know, a pretty strong play last year, only two birdies. Okay, we, we remember that. It was frustrating. I just had a bad, bad, bad round one. And then in round two, try to bounce back, had five. Okay, so if we're going to see more of the Sanjay M that we've seen a lot recently. Remember last year, he kind of went through a weird kind of stretch where it's just a little bit inconsistent, not the Sanjay we had seen. I, I, I think we're going to see more of the consistent Sanjay. So that's why I like that bet. But like Corey Connors, we can see round one had six and then round four had seven. Okay, given the fact that this is expected to play easy again this, this year, I expect him to be able to get there kind of given the data. But not as much of a lock just because I don't like the fact that he did have three and three in a different round. Like he is someone that typically speaking is not going to shoot himself in the foot. He's going to like stay alive. Now, Brian Harmon is someone that is going to be close. Okay. The data is saying that he has been someone that's making a lot of birdies. You probably saw that last week at the Century Tournament of Champions. Um, so maybe it's just more of a birdie maker now. I, I don't know. But you know, a still a solid play. Pulling up KH Lee, we can see you know, pretty good numbers across the board. We, obviously, we would like that. Seabaz is something that I do like as well, although it hasn't ranked out too well birdie or better percentage-wise. I think we could chase that if we wanted to. And then looking at Tom Hoagie, you know, Ben right around there as well. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is that if the weather is projected to be better, then you expect the scoring to be much easier than what their current props are suggesting. Okay, we saw that in round two where people were just, was it round two? No, in round one, it was easier scoring. In round two, it wasn't, okay? And they kind of adjusted the opposite way. So it is something to just pay attention to. Maybe you do a wait and see approach round one and try to attack it in round two. 
I don't mind that approach as well. All right, guys, going to be switching it up and now getting into my outright betting picks here for the Sony Open. So number one, it kind of sounds strange, but it is going to be Corey Connors. Uh, Corey Connors at 25 to one are pretty good odds. Uh, and that's something that'll probably come down because I think he is kind of a popular one. Uh, but for the reasons I already mentioned in this video, uh, great course history has been in good recent form, not someone that's going to hurt himself. Uh, you know, just really checking all the boxes, uh, third best pick in the nine to five model, just consistently choosing the top plays is going to reward yourself, um, in the long term. And he, he is pretty easy to see he's the correct play. And then Andrew Putnam as well. Like I just feel, I know he doesn't have the start at the STOC last week. And that is a trend that players that have a start at the STOC just tend to win. I don't know. I I don't know really what it is. Maybe their bodies are just fresher. They're mentally fresher. Uh, I personally think it's just having a, another a competitive round under their belt or a competitive tournament under their belt, and then also not having to travel. But we can clearly see he has already shown the upside both at the tournament and somewhat recently. You know, second place finish here four years ago, two out of three make cuts here, and a top five finish five starts ago. Second place finish, you know, pretty good stuff as a whole. We can see second best pick overall, sixth best pick overall, okay? Given his odds, we can see, I think it's down to 45 to one now. He is definitely someone that is getting disrespected uh, by the betting market. And then from there, I was struggling because I don't want to go too crazy with golfers that don't have starts at the Century Tournament Champions from last week. I, like We have seen the data say that that is something you want to be doing. At the same time, I can't really not play Christian Bazoon out. Strong course history. 17th last year. You know, that, that that's good. Really good key stat in most of them. Uh, the recent forms, pretty elite. Like All things add up to him being a really good player. And he is someone that can make birdie, especially at this tournament like we saw. So he is someone that I think is tough to pass up on, given the odds. And then at the same time, we have people like Tom Hoagie, who terrible course history. And like I think he's a horrible like cash play this week. I think that's pretty obvious. But he makes for a great GPP play. But also, where is he going to be at mentally from the TCU blowout game? Yeah, I, I don't really know. He flew there and flew back to that game, which is just strange in general. So like, wh wh what can we expect from him? Brian Harmon, you know, also not the best course history. He is someone that I think could put it all together and win and it won't be shocking but I, I don't know i just don't feel it and i don't feel it with someone like jj spawn where jj spawn it also makes sense with kind of for the same logical reasons as those three i just don't love the course history so i'm struggling to play those and i'm like at a battling there mentally and data wise it's just like I, we're not, i'm not seeing eye to eye with that pretty much and so i think i'm going to leave those three off the board so I want to bet more than three, but at the same time, it feels like I would be forcing it in there. Like Cam Davis would be a good bet, I think. But once again, doesn't have a start at the STOC last week, which is a trend that I want to follow. So to me, I've kind of just defaulted to the player that drove us mentally crazy last year at this tournament, Sanjay M. He is someone that had a pretty good tournament going last week. 13th overall finish. We have seen 7th, 2nd, 15th, 12th. Seconds, like we have seen really good starts from him over his past 10 starts. That's why he ranks out third best in recent form. Key stat wise, pretty elite there. Third best staff fit. Okay. If it wasn't for that miscut last year, I wouldn't mind him. That is the concern. But at the same time, he is the top pick and we are getting him in at 14 to one. I think I'm just going to play him and I might just do four, four outright bets. And maybe, maybe we prep to live bet. That could be the approach to go with. And let's just go over the issues with that, okay? Be, just in general this week, because you got something like Keegan Bradley, like it wouldn't be shocking to see Keegan Bradley have a great week and, and win. There's just so many great plays. Like Maverick McNeely, sure, doesn't have the start at the Century Tournament Champions, but is someone that's trending in the right direction for a win. Wouldn't be shocking. You got Jordan Spieth playing in this event this week, who obviously he can easily go on and win. I, you know, 14 to 1 odds is kind of crazy. I kind of thought he'd be the second best odds or maybe even the best odds this week. Heck, even someone like JT Post and someone makes sense to put it all together, like a, a typical player that would do well at a tournament like this. 
42nd place finish last year, which not a not great, but 20th four years ago as well. Um, obviously had a start here or start at the Century Tournament Champions last week, which wasn't a terrible finish given the price tag. Could be someone we try to play. And then just long shot wise, and I kind of want to do it, is Adam Svensson. So last week really had a bad round, but he was able to score some birdies. Love the fact that he did have a seventh place finish here last year. Okay. The tough part is I just don't see him winning two out of his last three events, you know, but the odds are pretty interesting. You know, specialist wise, 13th best in the field. So like it could happen as well. But once again, if I were to choose to kind of extend the betting card, I feel like we would just be forcing it. And that's my biggest issue this week. All right. That's all I have for you guys for this video. Going to be doing the live stream tomorrow, probably around noon or so. So be on the lookout for that. I'm excited for that. Always just fun to talk off. It's just going to be kind of the final wrap up going to be doing some showdown coverage, some first round leader picks, hopefully giving you guys some more prize picks thought process as well. And then just covering, you know, maybe ownership leverage and just really whatever other questions you have. So uh, excited for that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the golf coverage and let's have a good week.